0: Okay. I was just explaining for Tom's sake, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do it on the show. Fuck Tom. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll be Tom.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Tom. That, no, it's fine. It's fine.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, <laughs> that way, Fuck your
0: reaction can
2: be authentic and
4: live. <laughs> yeah. And I've
2: been seen on. All-
4: Corbyn's Marxist policies, utilities, transport, energy, steel, coal, mail, shipbuilding, telecoms, ports, airports, and much of our heavy manufacturing, all nationalized. Top rates of income tax, 83% on earnings and 98% on interest and dividends. Corporation tax, 52%. Socialism, the radical vision of economic liberation, like Cuba. Cows in the fields, milk in the shops. The state controls the price of milk. That is what socialism does to a market. And then Venezuela. Venezuela. The economic policies of Hugo Chavez, publicly supported by Jeremy Corbyn, Neil Kinnock falling into the sea, drowning, Labour in the raw, hard left extremist infiltrators who despise Britain's values and talk down our country, who openly proclaim their ambition to demolish our market economy and replace it with billions more in tax, economic freedom, political freedom. So we say to Corbyn, bring it on the politics of the mob, the threats, the intimidation, the undertones of lawlessness, whether it's on the streets or online. For 35 years, we had a broad consensus in British politics about our economic model. 35 years, but that consensus is over. And colleagues, what is right for Britain now includes Jeremy Corbyn and his clique, Because let me tell you by abandoning market economics Corbyn's Labour delivers this great party the resurgence of hard left socialism to stand up for the hard working decent people of this country livelihoods and well being tax it and fight it the remaining proponents of hard left socialism in parliament like Corbyn and MacDonald their political DNA apparently uncontaminated MacDonald claims that our economy is fundamentally broken John Mcdonald urged his supporters not to waste the crisis. Ken Livingstone once sacked him for being too left wing. The hard left acknowledged the weariness at the long slog back from recession. The pressure on living standards caused by slow wage growth and a spike in inflation. The frustration among the young who fear the combination of student debt and sky-high rents and house prices as the union barons mobilise their power and their wealth behind Corbyn. Corbyn's way the party of progress, hard left the the resurgence of hard left socialism. Hard left socialism in Parliament. The hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left. Hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left. Corbyn's big idea is to spend an extra half a trillion pounds. That's seven thousand seven hundred pounds for every man, woman, and child in the UK. Now look, we could speculate as to how Labour would pay for a spending splurge on this scale. But fortunately. We don't have to, because we have the answer from Labour's last shadow chancellor, Chris Leslie. This is what he said last week, about how Labour would fund Corbyn's plan.
5: Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control, they want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent... Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left. are in the you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party oh. who associate with the hard left. The you just I'm said that sorry. we were right, right to right wing. The hard left Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, hard left wing position, Hard hard left to the hard left, 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 hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, 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 hard left, hard left, left, hard left, hard left, hard
3: left, my
1: prayer is to linger with you i'm here outside the synergy center in brighton with At chunky mark aka the artist the taxi driver how you doing man brilliant and i'm
6: with these fucking renegades from the real politics who've been in the media fucking things up There's like badass people on the internet <laughs> doing fucking things <laughs> Yeah, anyway, yeah, we're here at The World Transformed. It's like fucking, it's gone off down here. There's people smoking bongs, they've got picnics jam sandwiches Jeremy's on stage oh nice We're playing like past the duchy from the left hand side in the middle of the
3: park
6: <laughs> Russell Brand's been up here talking about addiction and also they had John Ashworth on there oh yeah he's yeah MP talking the about his dad he's an alcoholic died. wasn't yeah, he yeah he died fucking hell it sucks and it, it was a really personal story yeah you know and, and this is in a month it's a massive festival you know it, it's yeah. fucking amazing wherever you go like whether you listen to Ken Loach or Low Key they talk about Grenfell do you know what I mean You've got these fucking idiots walking up and down with their like fucking Brexit thing, trying to like control a narrative. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The same 40 MPs, suddenly Chukla Munna, who was against freedom of movement, suddenly switches, it's all about Germany, you know. But it's true, like the yeah. Brexit position has really changed and what Brexit is. It's a fucking mess. But no one knows what to do, do you know what I mean? But the, yeah. the core of it is, is, we need to keep freedom of movement. We need to support migrants. We need to support refugees. We've got a wank fucking Tory government. Theresa May's up in a fucking Maserati, going around Florence, talking Brexit. Yeah, Do you yeah. Know what I mean? With Bozo the Clown, you know, Renaissance and fucking frescoes, and they go in a blank room with a white fucking thing. You know, the Italians, what do they think of people from England? What do they people... No, I got, like, a uh, 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 nan and granddad, who we were, like, Italian, you know, we've got Italian in my family. And they're yeah. like, we haven't even got a fucking Day, mate. So We haven't got a day, do you know what I mean? They're yeah. saying to me, what are you doing in your country? Wiping, you know, walking around all day with shit on your ass, because you ain't got a day to wash it. You know, you've got no dignity whatsoever. Yeah. What a country do you know right. what I mean? Using toilet paper, you're just rubbing that shit okay. on your
1: ass. <laughs> That's what they're talking here. Do you know what I mean? yeah. People are saying, like,
6: we need B dates
1: I really got to run, I think, man. But, like, very quickly, I love your watercolours. Yeah, I think yeah. they're always very lovely from the heart. Yeah. And what's next for the artist taxi driver? Well, I
6: just interviewed Laura Pidcock down on the thing. Oh, so nice. I'm doing lots it's of really good interviews, interviewed Barry Gardner. You know, these are, it's crossing over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What's happening? With things like new media, real politics, Navarro yeah. media, and people like that. It's like people should have a voice, do you know what I mean? They tried to control the narratives with their fucking front page headlines, but we got yeah. instant rebuttal. They put their front page out 10 o'clock at night. Well, it's that's fucking what we trashed. tried to do on Twitter. Exactly. It's yeah. trashed already because it's shit. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And people know that. They can shout and scream. Next yeah. election is over. All
1: right, mate. It's man. absolutely over. It's... Nice one. I Big think up the we... real politics. Yeah. Thank you. Big up artist taxi driver, <laughs> and we're going to be the next government. Yeah.
7: Hey! You're listening to Le Podcast de la Real Politique with your guest host, Emmanuel Macron. (laughs) I come to you with a message to the workers of France, you shiftless, idle fucking (laughs) scrongers, Stirring shit, reeking fucking avoc, (laughs) les sans-culottes, do something useful, make yourself full of youth. draw a funny picture <laughs> of a historical figure, like uh, Prophet Muhammad, uh, you, you know, I am the Sun King, I am a golden god. Bandy Burka, full liberalism 2K17, baby, Brexit means shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he will be
0: appearing in the life of Farron. uh radio play it's coming very soon.
7: Hey, Tim, <laughs> and, Farron. Hey, hey, Tim, Tim Farron, Tim liberal titan, uh Europhile. <laughs> he love, he not like yeah, the black sheet that uh, artist taxi driver talk about. Ugh, disgusting. Brexit, Theresa May, I prefer the man uh, Jolien, how you say, Jolien (laughs) Mouron. Ban the Burka (laughs) So, So there we go. Uh, Uh, That that was the
0: president of France,
1: (laughs) Emmanuel Macron
0: himself. I know, yeah, you know, we get all the big guests now on The Real Politics, so... (laughs) I think it was only fair that we brought on the politician with the sharpest approval ratings drop in French political history, was
1: it? Something along those lines? I think it was something along those lines, yeah. He is now less popular in France than Donald Trump is in America, and this has been the case for some time. Oh, that liberalism, baby. And uh, Vince Cable, of course, is paying close attention to the Macron strategy. But yeah, it's not like there aren't plenty of people like, say, for Labour and... MP Anna Turley, who uh, supports a burka ban. In British politics, on the nominal centre left, so you know, I I think he could, uh, I think he could fit in, fit in well in our politics. If France gets sick of him as a Liberal Democrat party, their leader is in <laughs> the final stages of something or other.
0: Well, they could just set up the Democrats. <laughs> that was that was going to happen. The Democrats.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity was there and waiting that he had come over to Britain just to start
1: the Democrat. There's some kind of Brexit shebang. I presume kind of anti-Brexit, but it's going on somewhere <laughs> or other. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not going to fucking, like, lead people to this cursed location. But it's got... <laughs> it's got Ian Dunn. It's got the boy Dunty. This is why he takes drugs. Um... <laughs> just collapsing on the floor in a fucking pool of leaking needles. They've got fucking Rupert Hamface Myers. Wish Laura was here. <laughs> And a late addition to the bill, they have the founder of the UK Democrats himself, James the boy Chapman.
0: There we go. It's a
1: formidable team. It is truly the A team. (sighs) A standing for against Brexit. The A-B team.
0: The only... The uh, the single most important political issue facing every generation. I think ever. you had
1: it right the first time every, yeah, Tom. The, o- the, the only
0: it. important issue. It's the only issue that must be tackled in politics right now. Nothing else, you yeah.
1: <laughs> so, know. Everything's well, great.
0: Yeah, so Brexit.
1: No, everything was great. Do you remember <laughs> how fucking good things were in early June 2016... And then Jeremy Leon Corbyn, the bellend, (laughs) he brought strikes, he brought anti-Semitism, he brought racism, morally equivalent to strikes. We had a nice life. (laughs) We did have a nice life, and that
0: croissant-munching communist fucked it up, didn't he?
1: (laughs) Jeremy Leon Corbyn. (laughs) Bellend's not a slur when it refers to that fucking Trotskyist Stalinist. (laughs) i mean come on he's a marxist i mean you know
0: (laughs) philip hammond said it in his speech he is a marxist
1: well as our friend chris leslie told the labor first fringe event at labor conference there is no place for marxism in the labor party yeah yeah. and of course uh, when labor first tweeted that quote from chris leslie he received about 200 replies largely consisting of either people saying there is no place for Chris Leslie in the modern Labour Party <laughs> Or saying who are the hard left Chris? Saying <laughs> opposing the government, opposing conservatives, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, all the shit we fucking love.
2: I was rereading some of our highlights reel in the Daily Mail, oh,
1: yeah? and
2: uh, I was just struck by the fact how all these moderates came out saying, we don't need factionalism, we all need to band together to fight the Tories, but they're the ones who fucking started it. Like <laughs> They're the ones who are dividing and conquering the party. Yeah, although not, not, <sighs> not so
1: much of a conquering really. No,
2: no. <laughs> yeah. Trying to launch Repeated coups and failing. Yeah, exactly.
1: But like I say, like, I joined the Labour Party. I didn't know who fucking Labour First were. I think I, like, I might have heard of progress. I don't know. But, you know, I didn't know who all these people were. I didn't know about all the factions. I was just like, well, it's the Labour Party. Some people are left wing. Some people are. Not you know I, vo- I voted <laughs> for Corbyn and to- I voted for Corbyn and Tom Watson the left right dream team as it seemed oh, in right. 2015 yeah I I voted for Tom Watson I voted Angela Eagle <laughs> <laughs> we both fucked up not that there was a better option than either of the people we voted for it was fucking like race realist Caroline Flint Silver Fox Ben Bradshaw who just like fucking swans <laughs> around fucking like Plymouth or wherever like. Saying, oh, you know, I'm not like Labour. I'm a right wing in every conceivable way, and like winning big because <laughs> he's basically a Tory. And Stella Creasy, who I mean, at least has done some decent stuff on the backbenches. But yeah, it was a shit lineup of people. To be fair, there was no left candidate. As I was saying, Tia, I-, I I didn't know about the factionalism. I just wanted to advance. The policy agenda that Jeremy Corbyn was elected on in 2015. As it is, we've had to spend two years, like you know, just tearing bits out of. Reaffirming that. Yeah, just um, tearing yeah. bits out of Blairite shitheads. So, uh, you know, it can be fun. And the question <laughs> is, the, the question is,
0: Jack, were you able to enjoy the rewards from that internal conflict at the Labour conference? Because of course you went, didn't
1: you? I did go. Well, well, I didn't quite go to conference itself. I went to the World Transformed, which. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's we a real hot to go ticket. to the conference. For you. the conference it costs a lot for some reason they wouldn't give me press credentials uh, I, I mean i didn't i didn't apply <laughs> i said in the new socialist group dm hey does anyone know anything about getting press credentials and no one replied so i didn't get any but uh, yeah i went i went along to the world transformed and i suppose we might as well sort of introduce this episode properly now this is our conference special in a bit we'll be going to a, a star-studded roster of guests so it's going to be a very jack-heavy episode We're going to be jacking it. We're going to be, you know, it's going to be largely (laughs) me... On my own, doing my thing Doing things that I enjoy for myself Loitering around the fringe events with
0: the <laughs> microphone like Can I get an interview please? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's basically like whoever I Managed to talk to You well, got some and, I, I, who said, some good people Yeah, I got some good people So like you've heard the interview with the artist taxi driver I'm talking to our listeners, Tom and Yaya haven't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I talked to my Comrade from New Socialist Gail McEnner, who's a friend of ours Steve, Stephen Smith for Financial Times. This is the kind of caliber of guests we got. We got high flying financial journalists. We got a guy called Nicholas from Momentum NHS who I bumped into in the street. Sorry, I don't know your surname, Nicholas. We have got Sam Chris and Ellie Mayer Hagen. Half of The Gang of Four. <laughs> we have got Tom Gann, the general editor of New Socialist. Oh, yes. The nice. scourge of hecklers. We have got Alex Nuns, author of The Candidate. Oh, wow, boy. what a roster!
2: Good a stuff. Roster. <laughs> so next we got Nicholas from Momentum NHS.
1: Yeah, you can tell you've yeah. heard of Momentum NHS before, yeah. I I totally know that thing. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like it's me interviewing him on the street. I didn't know what it was either, so I, I, it's just him giving <laughs> giving us a little explainer. So you can listen to the episode, and then you'll know what it is. I'm here with Nicholas from Momentum NHS. Would you like to explain what Momentum NHS is and yeah. the role that it's played at conference, what it's been trying to achieve?
8: OK, we are a group of activists in the Labour Party who... I mean, I, for example, joined in 2012 with the Health and Social Care Act because we wanted to push the Labour Party to really oppose this outright face privatisation of the NHS and we knew because of its chequered past it wasn't as easy as all that. Yeah. And with Corbyn's arrival as leader, we had someone on our side in that struggle for the first time since Frank and was ejected as a health secretary, so we got together and the Momentum group formed, and we became part of that. And the idea is to most Labour members want there to be an NHS. It's just a group of the Labour right in the PLP essentially that has been, you know, and still is extremely committed to what the Tories are currently doing or what they were slugs, like to do. <laughs> <laughs> little slugs, with so, no personality. Yeah, so we're keen on that. And the health service having a proper policy. The last manifesto didn't have a great policy on the NHS. It was a lot of Miliband stuff that was just refried and served once again. Yeah. Not quite commitment, but a really good. Composite motion was passed yesterday. We were promoting that, we were pushing that, helping support that, and it calls for a policy that will oppose the current policy from the Tories, which is written by healthcare multinationals, And that the next manifesto has a clear policy to restore the founding principles of the NHS as set out in the NHS reinstatement bill. And we're we're pleased Labour membership has pronounced itself on that and and voted overwhelmingly in favour. And we want to keep going that way. That's brilliant. All right, well, it's great great to get an update on what
1: Momentum NHS are doing. Cheers for talking. It is a stunning, star-studded roster for hashtag RP40. Our fortieth episode. It is. It is our fortieth episode. How time flies! Yeah. It was. Was it like two years
0: ago? A year and a half ago, the, the first episode came out. It was. Yeah. Ten, it was ten months ago.
1: It was. Uh, yeah. Oh,
0: wow. It, it <laughs> was yeah. last it November. Feels
2: so long when we started with that beautiful Atlas shrugged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how and time has We've Shifted into the star-studded podcast that has been mentioned in the national press on <laughs> at least four or five occasions.
1: Yeah. And in at least two of those articles, they don't directly accuse us of misogyny. Yeah, yeah,
7: because oh, yeah. yeah. uh, yeah, there's a
0: new one, oh, isn't there? Yeah. The new one came out from the New Statesman.
7: It's the New Today, Statesman. Was it? As we yeah. record, which
2: um, was practically glowing. <laughs> it was by
1: the usual standards of yeah. the press coverage that we get. It was very, very positive, even-handed, and fair. It was written by a new and she acknowledged that we have a podcast. Uh, yeah, see, see? She is fucking on the ball, <laughs> it, it, man. She's sharp. It's moved
0: on from when we were yep. just being described by the Daily Mail as having an audio program. A a Twitter
2: account that also has a podcast of the same name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, Laura wasn't able to make it today, but we're going to record something as soon as possible with her, hopefully in the next couple of days, to compensate for both her absence from this episode and the last episode and the slow pace at which we've been putting out episodes recently. So I think it's time for an interview, isn't it? Time for one of my dispatches from Labour Conference and The World Transformed. Here we go. So, first of all, we've got a dear friend of mine, a great collaborator. So, it's my friend Gail McEnner. Awesome. Comrades, I'm here on the Brighton Beach front with my friend, my comrade, my new socialist colleague, Gail McEnner, the hey. co-Westminster editor of our illustrious magazine. So, Gail, how are you enjoying The World Transformed?
9: It is... Really, really good so far, and I can understand why a lot of people have FOMO for not being here. Just the lineup is absolutely fantastic, and I have a conference pass too. Wow, it's so much more interesting. Jelly. It really is. <laughs> I mean, it's great to go into the complex, yeah. it's great to see what's going on, and I don't actually have a pass floor, which is really disappointing. Uh, but I was hearing they left all the doors open for my camera's speech, and I uh, was kind of hovering about listening to him speak. It was really great. That was brilliant. But great. by and large, the world transformed. I think of all the fringes. It has been the most popular.
1: Are you saying that it's better attended than the Progress Fringe?
9: It, no, no, they were totally packed out. Despite the fact that by <laughs> standing room only, they meant that they only had 14 seats. <laughs> and honestly, they
3: held it in
9: a broom cupboard. Oh. So, yeah. It, I mean, that's great PR on their front. Yeah, have got to give them
1: that. Like, I mean, I'm sure it was an excellent broom cupboard. Um,
9: you know what, it's the best broom cupboard. It's the most <laughs> nationalistic.
1: As long as you can hang a Union Jack in there of some size. Some <laughs> Even if it's just a little one, like a little sticker on the wall, like, like in the film Outlaw we reviewed in our last episode, which you should check out.
9: (laughs) Nice plug. Um, I just assumed that Richard Angel turned up in a union jack suit. (laughs) That (laughs) was. I assume
1: that's what he wears everywhere, right? <laughs> I, I hope so. Angel, <laughs> not Angle, right? I think it's Angel. Yeah, I thought it was Angel for a bit, but everyone I'm says Angel. I'm very
9: confused. I, so I had someone else call him Angel, so I've
1: just started doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's uh, Labour Firster here as well. Luke Acres faction.
9: Yeah, who were they with... Um... What was she fearing with yesterday? It was someone quite interesting.
1: You were thinking out with someone who was handing out copies of The
9: Clarion. Oh, yeah, the, the yeah, AWL yeah. magazine. Exactly, and like I totally, <laughs> I can't remember the woman he was with at the time,
1: but oh. Yeah. Well, well, I know, laughed when I saw it. You know who was handing out AWL literature at uh, Acid Corbinism last night? Who was
9: that?
3: Clive
1: Lewis.
9: Really?
3: <laughs> Are you kidding?
1: No, I, I am not. Somebody somebody attested to me, someone who was sitting next to him, said he was like, oh, it's really good stuff. Like, <laughs> just handing it out. Wow. But, God.
9: Speaking of Clive, I saw him speak the night before. Oh, yeah? He was talking about democracy, he was talking about Brexit. Of course he was talking
1: about Yeah, Brexit. of course. God, naturally. <laughs> I think that's Trump what Trump he likes uh, the AWL about. Chapter 48.
9: It was quite interesting. It's a foundation called Class held a talk, and Eddie Mae O'Hagan was talking, I Clive Lewis was talking, and Paul Mason was talking, and I was very, very disappointed in Paul Mason. Really? you would just spout some really xenophobic stuff. I'm not sure if I'm even allowed to say that on it.
1: I'm but sure I... you can say it on real politics. Um, yeah. <laughs> like people know we have a sort of critical support stance for Mason, but it's certainly critical. <laughs> it,
9: yeah, I feel like it needs to be incredibly heavily critical. Yeah, it's I didn't, I didn't catch attitude this. Attitude towards immigration is just appalling. Yeah,
1: I heard there were a lot of legitimate concerns, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to use the parlance of our times. <laughs> but uh, you hosted a, a panel this morning, didn't you? You chaired it.
9: I did chair a panel this morning. I really I was really lucky to do it and I, ha- I had a really great time. It was a really, really interesting talk. It was about who runs Britain, the many or the few, which uh, I can say has been asked in completely enoughy, in a tongue-in-cheek way because I feel like we all know the answer to yeah. that question. <laughs>
7: uh, oh, and it's and not the many? I
9: d- what? <laughs> We're not in power already? Although the, I'm starting to feel like
1: what it. What, the 99% aren't the powerful vested interest? <laughs>
9: <Okay>. <laughs> the, um... So it had Laura Pitcock, it had brilliant. Mark
1: Zuckerberg,
9: it had Ursula Hughes, and it had oh God, who, who was the other guy? Ah, oh, he's really tricky. John Trickett. Yes. Oh, how dare I! <laughs> uh, no, he was absolutely brilliant. He is such a powerhouse, and mm. I, could li- I could listen to him speak all day, like. The only reason, I was kind of a bit... I could have done with being in the audience because I really didn't want to have to, like, pay attention to audience questions. I wanted to just listen to him. I did feel yeah. really, like... It was just such a great panel. I got...
1: Did you have any uh, boisterous hecklers or uh, long questions that aren't actually questions?
9: Oh, yeah, we did. And I felt really, I felt really bad. But after about... I gave this guy about two minutes. Um, and he was talking about... It was just... It was all my... I do. But he and he made some really valid points but he was basically took the mic and he didn't ask a question, he turned around to the audience and kind of went started going off on a bit of a, a rant about this is who I am no. and this is what I think and he had so many points and yeah. I was like, Do you I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> don't know you know sometimes I'm bad at filtering and I just into the mic I was like do you have a question <laughs> uh, and, and no he didn't <laughs> he, mean... he, looked, he looked really taken aback like oh you haven't you haven't asked me on the panel I was like yeah I, it was a and a I hate that I really hate that uh, uh,
1: it's,
9: it's not really fair on other people who have questions to ask as well if you want to just dominate the conversation
1: it was similar at new socialist panel wasn't it Corbinism from below I know we got a bit a
9: uh, bit unlucky with the uh, the okay.
1: AWL hecklers This is in a venue By the way That in one of the Toilet cubicles It has AWL Equal nonces Written on the wall <laughs> Really?
9: Yeah I no. I Did de- you write it? Back? I
1: promise I didn't write it. <laughs> I-
9: you were almost
1: woke there, Jack. <laughs> I, was almost almost, woke. I was almost woke. But it was a good event, wasn't it? The new socialist um, event.
9: It was really great. I mean, again, the speakers were brilliant. We had Maya Goodfellow. Yeah. We had Louis Wainwright. Blah, 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 Can't say that word very well. Wainwright. 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 Yeah. Wainwright. And then Matt's our cousin and Laura Pidcock again. The great was-
1: Laura Pidcock.
9: Oh, she was amazing.
1: Just a panel of brilliant people. Laura Pidcock for PM oh I mean like the amount of just quotables from oh it. God, I say that I'm forgetting all of them now I've but
9: forgotten <laughs> all of them I wish I'd recorded it I was like wow there's so remember, many, everything she says is like a soundbite but she genuinely means
1: it I remember some of them actually she said nobody voted for Laura Pidcock they voted for the Labour Party they voted for the Red Rosette which is great to all these MPs who were saying to Corbyn last year no no we've got the personal mandate
9: and also for however many and I imagine a lot of people listening have had this as well for all these MPs who you were handing out leaflets for and there wasn't a single mention of Corbyn Mm. or any of the policies it was just their face almost
1: she was unabashedly pro-Corbyn unabashedly pro-migrant that was fantastic love her
9: stance on freedom of movement she said in our panel she said something really profound she was just talking about basically if we which I 100% I couldn't agree with more is this rhetoric that it's fine we want migrants here when they work really hard and they do so much for us. Yeah. It's almost neo-colonial yeah like absolutely there should be freedom of movement like that's not entirely
1: thinking of people in terms of what they contribute to the economy
9: absolutely and again it, it does feed into kind of class politics as well yeah. it's this idea that we treat we definitely play the working class off against each other of which I'd consider myself yeah. one and whereas there used to be like a real solidarity between people who were jobless and workers' alliances yeah there isn't any more particularly plus it's like if you look at benefit sanctions For example, I mean, they're literally—they've got targets for it. Yeah. How can you have targets for benefit sanctions when? Fucked. No wonder people hate each other. No wonder it's. Yeah. Divide and rule. Like.
1: And the point Pidcock made that I thought was just brilliant to hear from a Labour MP was that. People, when often when people, especially Labour MPs, talk about appealing to the working class, they're talking about appealing to the white working class. But essentially, the stuff they're advocating, it's just about appealing to people in general. Yeah. Hey man, Tom uh, you're, Mills, Tom Wright. you're right. That's uh, me. I just oh, time. that's cool. I, I can. Um, is it cool? if I wrap oh up this my interview God. with Gail, and oh my then God, I'm sorry, and then I'll no, no 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 it's fine, and then hi, I'll come and Tom speak to you in a yeah. second. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really really cool to meet you, man. Okay, sorry to interrupt. You. Oh no problem no problem. Oh, I can I can edit. No, um, let's
9: keep it in. Yeah, Tom Mills is insanely attractive.
1: <laughs> he is. He's a very good looking he's guy. He's a very good looking guy. And I'm he... gonna get loads of
9: tweets being like, oh well, you're sexist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's not it's just an observation, though,
1: lads More sexism on the Real the podcast, <laughs> but this time it's reverse sexism. Um, Miss Andre. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so great. But when she was saying, often they talk about appealing to the working class. They're talking about the white working class. In fact, they're talking about policies that just white people in general, the reactionary xenophobic middle class, would appreciate.
9: And I also feel like she's she's very right in that. That's not necessarily what white working class people think. It's a fallacy that we have to appeal to the UK vote.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Maya Goodfellow made similar points. I think like she's one of the best.
9: Brilliant. One of the Love
1: her. best journalists on immigration in this country and on race in general, and has been supportive of Corbyn the whole time. I like, would go as far as saying that
9: she's my, she's the only journalist I really listen to on
1: immigration. I mean, I really yeah. listen to others, but like, I can feel like her line is so
9: yeah. strong and good. You mean you mean you mean yeah. she's better than Paul Mason? Oh, what <laughs> I mean, <he's> so
1: nuanced. <laughs> well, you know, I'll see if I bump into him at some point yeah, in conference. Okay.
9: Get his opinion I'll
1: be like Paul what's all this Legitimate concerns bullshit man We don't need to say that We can just talk about socialism There's there's no need for it
9: It's
1: ridiculous It's really ridiculous It's such a bad line Yeah.
9: Yeah, so you need to go talk to Tom Mills.
1: I do, but do you have any concluding points before you go? Uh,
9: Love RealPolitik, keep up the good work. Thank you, uh, Gail. And everyone should come to conference if you can. Yeah. Uh, I know it's really expensive. I know a lot of people don't get to go. One great thing about the World Transformed is that they're trying to make it as affordable as possible. I love their solidarity tickets. That's always such a great idea. And, and yeah, I just hope that it keeps doing its good work too.
1: Absolutely. And rest assured, RealPolitik, love Gail McInner as well. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> all right, well, it's great talking. So, this is our conference special. We're going to talk a little bit about what we thought about Labour Conference and what we thought about the Tory conference to end all Tory conferences. Oh, well, yeah, could
0: be the last. It was disastrous, all right, from <laughs> lack of attendance all the way over to P-45s being handed out on stage, it's... Uh... <laughs> it didn't go well I mean, By fucking Lee Nelson help but... oh, he, oh god well, we'll get to him in a bit
1: we'll get to him yeah. in a bit because
0: uh, I've had to steward a show because I work at a theatre and uh, he came to that theatre
1: and yeah
0: not my comedy I gotta be honest with
1: you and it seems that basically this incredible breach of security that meant that this fucking Z-grade prankster which is like a euphemism for failed comedian whose show got cancelled this amazing breach that allowed him to be there in a position to hand Theresa May a P45 notice was he applied for a Tory conference under his own name, and he got it. Like, literally, they just apparently didn't bother to Google who he was, because obviously he's not actually called Lee Nelson. Personally, I still haven't forgiven the fucking prick for invading Kanye's fucking Glastonbury set in 2015. You know... (laughs) The cunt deserved a good lamping for that, and uh, Theresa May should have fucking administered that. Did you hear her comeback? Which was like, "Oh, there's uh, someone yeah. I wanted to give a P45 yeah. notice to, <laughs> Jeremy me I know they're all like, <laughs> "Whoa!" it's literally like i know you are but what am i it's like uh, uh people are saying that i should be fired but, uh, but, uh, but, but uh, actually the guy who uh is my direct opponent uh should be fired yeah yeah that's it yeah it was a very sad and tragic uh... <laughs> very sad and tragic response. Do you remember, like, a year ago, pretty much, at Tory conference last year, when it was all crush for saboteurs, and if you're a citizen of the world, you're a citizen of nowhere. It was just this, kind of, like, outright fash shit. They were, like, testing all these really draconian immigration policies in their speeches that, you know, they had to drop, like, a day later, because they were so fucking bad. But basically, like, there was this real feeling of hubris, of, like, just kind of unshakable power. Because There was this sense in the public discourse, in the stuff that the vast majority of Labour MPs and commentators were saying, in the stuff that was being said by pretty much everyone in the media. It was that Theresa May was unassailable, that she was this kind of powerful, competent leader, that she'd be in power for, like, the next 30 years till she's, like, fucking, like, the same age as fucking Vince Cable or something. And then, you know, all these fucking journalists who sort of pretend that they have this great idea of what's going on were like, wow, well, you know, she won an uncontested internal election inside the Conservative Party, so she must be electoral dynamite. <laughs> you know,
0: it turns out a lot out... of things can happen in a year, can they? A lot of <laughs> things can happen in a year.
1: Yeah, it oh. turns out Jeremy Corbyn is a uh, slightly tougher opponent than Andrea Leadsom on the verge of dropping out of that contest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's harder
2: to beat Corbin than nobody, who would have guessed?
1: Who would have fucking funk it? It was just generally a shit show. As you say, Tom, the attendance looked appalling. I watched Philip Hammond's conference speech. I haven't actually got round to watching Theresa May's yet, because I'm still fucking reeling from Hammond's. <laughs> like, he's just got the flattest, most monotonous delivery. It's just like, well, the left... They, the hard left, the hard, the hard left, the hard left <laughs> they have a magic Money tree, And then there's just, like, the most, like, polite applause from the audience. It sounds like it's about two people clapping. And from seeing the shots of the crowds, I think that's fairly accurate. But only Boris Johnson and Theresa May seem to have filled the hall to any extent. And Theresa May, though, is this incredible thing because she had such a bad cough that whenever she basically started coughing and faltered, the audience would start, like, raucously applauding. (laughs) So rather than there being any natural applause line, in her speech it was just when she <laughs> ran out of steam they were just like oh welcome. yeah let's just just, Trump just bailing her out and obviously the words were all falling off the sign behind yeah, it was like some sort of
0: animation that, what was what? going on there why did like one or two of the letters fall off why did that happen <laughs> was so, it just like a loop that had just kind of gone wrong on the computer and it just,
1: it <laughs> was just shocking the theory that I've heard is that Lee bloody Nelson were... has been at it again <laughs> it's
7: Lee Nelson Wilson, right again.
1: no, mate. Russia <laughs> Putin's evil bear tentacles but what i heard was that the magnets that were keeping all of those letters in place they hadn't fallen out of place in any of the previous conference speeches and as we say that's because i don't think there was much going on in any of the previous conference speeches say if you listen to Philip Hammond's, it's all yeah and Venezuela they feed milk to their dogs because there's no food and the shops are made of oil yeah and that's
0: um... what happens when you instigate socialism
1: yeah and it's then you like just a... hear
4: This very, very
1: faint clapping. Whereas in Theresa May's speech, the applause was just rapturous. So the idea is that in order to cover up her cough, the Tories clapped so hard that they knocked the letters behind her down off a wall. (laughs) It's good shit. Good fucking shit, man. So meanwhile, the mood at Labour conference was altogether ebullient although as we've said there were certain pockets of misery distributed throughout Brighton there was uh, the progress fringe there was the Labour first fringe, there was the meeting about Brexit that Chukaramuna spoke at where there were about two, two rows where people were seated and then just rows and rows and rows of empty, actually quite comfy looking seats, whereas if you compare that to the new socialist Corbynism from Below event, New Socialist is a publication that formed three months ago. We had a queue round the road. Yeah, so around, going the whole okay. way around the corner. Yeah, exactly. People were queuing up to see what we had to offer. It was this great panel, and uh, all the irrelevances, like Chuka, are uh, just fucked. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the way you say, how you segue into that, just like and yeah, chicken and all that lot. It's over. It's, it's like, over. It, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Are we at a point now where we can sort of say that we have firm control of the ship and stuff now? I, uh, I wouldn't get complacent. Yeah, it's yeah, not. We don't control all the Labour Party machinery yet. But we can certainly push a certain direction. Yeah, I would um, hope. And it was certainly like from what I've seen coming out of the conference. You know, a lot of jubilant scenes. A good atmosphere about that. Of course, you were no, probably best because you went down there and oh, how many I, days
1: were you down there for i was down there from the sunday date- the Friday, actually, because obviously the conference itself finished on the Wednesday, but I stayed around for a couple of days to hang out with a friend in Brighton. The mood was actually pretty great. One night I got by-my-standards-quite-early-night. I was lying in bed in my hostel at 1.30 in the morning, and all of a sudden I heard outside my window uh, the voices of people outside the club that was directly adjacent to my hostel. And then I heard what they were singing, and of course it was, uh, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, the national anthem itself.
2: (laughs) beautiful
1: and frankly this could not be more at odds with the portrayal of the mood in brighton in nick cohen's latest variation of the nick cohen article that he writes every week in the observer his latest (laughs) one which is called labor conference more like the cult of saint jeremy oh you got got us there Uh, didn't he yeah it's a legitimately <laughs> bizarre piece, like he's run out, he's run out of all his arguments, you he know. Ran out years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's still trotting out the same, like, tired what's left outtakes as, as he was before, but it would take too long to go through this whole incredible piece. There's outright lies in it. There's really cranky stuff about, like, Corbyn's staff affectionately referring to him as JC.
0: I love the part here when he's like, cultism was everywhere at the Labour conference. It was in the Corbyn memorabilia on sale at conference stores. It was in the chants of old Jeremy Corbyn that greeted his every appearance it was (laughs) in the delegates desire to extend (laughs) (laughs) Corbyn's lieutenants which died when the crowd realised oh Rebecca Long Bailey didn't quite work it
1: literally scans better than Oh Jeremy Corbyn It's the yeah. right amount of syllables for that song <laughs> Oh Rebecca Long Bailey, like it's perfect Nick Cohen is a fucking idiot it's good. He this, didn't is,
0: end- this is the alternative reality of Nick Cohen So of course you yeah. have to bear that
1: in mind <laughs> My favourite bit in this incredible piece By Nick Cohen was The consequences of Labour's Failure to break away from a messianic Leader, where... I know Nick Cohen Doesn't speak like that by the way But it's quite funny if you read his poem articles in a will (laughs) self-impression the consequences (laughs) of Labour's failure to break away from a messianic leader were painfully evident in brighton if the conference itself might as well never have happened for all the good it did uh, yeah right the streets outside were filled with life everyone could sense that a decrepit tory government could be forced to concede acres of ground unfortunately Everyone also sensed that Corbyn had no intention of applying pressure. (laughs) Like, Nick (laughs) Cohen is just in tune with the people of Brighton. He knows what they're thinking. (laughs) He's got got an intuitive understanding of what, quote-unquote, everyone is thinking, and what everyone is thinking is, oh, the Tories are bad, but that Jeremy Corbyn... (laughs) I don't want to let him anywhere near power... Yeah, it's just bizarre. Obviously that's not my experience. I was there for several days and it was so fucking like vibrant and exciting and everywhere you went there was like you know, Clive Lewis getting smashed. Literally I saw him like four <laughs> different times when I was there and I bottled talking to him every one of those times.
0: But um, you did ask him to come on the podcast. Uh, I did, and he Twitter
1: said account. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we might have an MP on Real Politic at some point soon. That'd be fascinating name the dissonance between the conference that i was at and the way that it's been portrayed in the mainstream media is just laughable i mean i actually think some of the right wingers know what's up because they're all shitting themselves now they're like how do we compete with the left's battle of ideas
0: the male's coverage of it was basically that labor the new Nasty Party and there was was rampant anti-semitism across the conference.
1: Yeah, it's it's odd because that wasn't uh, any of the fringe meetings I was at but I'm sure there was stuff like that there. There were definitely a few fucking cranks in the audience. Like There was one who actually, no, at the new socialist event the Q&A got hijacked first of all by some guy who went off on a big old non-question about how he'd been kicked out of the Labour Party for being in the AWL and I was like oh shit man I didn't know (laughs) that Labour had that rule in place, like, this is good, like, and then (laughs) then a woman got up and started complaining that she'd been kicked out of the Labour Party for alleged anti-Semitism, and I'm just like, right, right, yeah, okay, this is not the kind of debate we want happening at our event, really, and and, and what do they want us to say? They want to say, oh, we'll fight your corner to the very end, it's like, We're there talking about how people who aren't involved directly in Labour leadership roles can advance the Corbyn Project. We're not talking about, like, how we can get specific individuals back into the party when, you know, I'm not even sure if if we want them in there. But yeah, as as you say, Tom, it was uh, portrayed in a very bizarre way in the media. Marina Hyde wrote a piece in The Guardian, which I only just got around to reading today, but it was just fucking bizarre. It was all her, like, grumbling about people singing Oh Jeremy Corbyn stuff and then her conclusion was like five paragraphs about how she'd like had a natter with Ian Hislop and he was saying ah oh, yes my jokes keep offending people and she was like yes jokes are very good we need jokes we need we, <laughs> jokes are good but not the ones that the other the, the, not the ones that the left mate no they're bad she said that the only jokes permitted at a Labour conference were like the officially sanctioned jokes or something <laughs> it's just like? Does she think that like Corbin personally signs it off every time I call someone a slug? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's, it's, I think you're confusing Corbin and Putin. I know it's easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, and the other thing that made the mood at conference so electrifying was just seeing the near total capitulation of Corbyn's internal enemies. You know, Sadiq Khan saying, All... The credit for Labour's impressive election performance goes to Corbyn. Tom Watson, peak centrist dad, leading <laughs> the crowd. Well, no, this isn't even centrist dad. This is just dad. This is like a good <laughs> Glast- dad. Glasto dad. Yeah, glasto dad, Tom Watson, fresh out of his secret lock drench wank bunker at the bottom of the <laughs> Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Led the crowd at Labour conference in his surprisingly decent conference speech in a chorus of, oh, Jeremy Corbyn. And the love that Diane Abbott got as well. That was another thing because she's had a fucking terrible year. Just abuse, yeah. abuse, abuse poured on her until she cracked under the pressure in her diabetes flared up uh, during the election. And, you know, now she's back on the front bench. She received a chorus of happy birthday during Corbyn's conference speech. Yeah, which certain centrist and right-wing commentators compared to a cult. Oh,
3: Although, um, <laughs> yeah, they, Honestly, no, they,
1: they went, like, they, went um, they went silent when some little Tory party sung it for Theresa May as well during Tory conference. <laughs> and and They were all and, like,
0: mummy, um, mummy, like, happy birthday. Mummy's so <laughs>
1: Dude, <laughs> exactly <fucking nerds. laughs> yeah. and i was at the fix live and during the silly game show section diane actually came on stage so did john mcdonald by the way and corbin introduced it so you got the big three plus john landsman in his ridiculous floral shirt in the audience diane came on and the crowd was just so rapturous just shouting Diane, Diane, Diane. She could she could hardly get a word in. She just started crying. Like, she had to leave Excuse the stage. Me. It was fucking beautiful. One it's of the just... highlights of conference, do you think? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It was <laughs> okay. so touching. And as I say, this kind of near total capitulation, because obviously Progress, who unfortunately have secured another three years funding recently uh, from, from their, like, five very rich members... Um, who all all fucking work in, like, PR. It was evident even on the Tory side, the Tory conference. Like, one of the first things I heard was Philip Hammond saying, for 35 years there was a broad economic consensus. That ended with Jeremy Corbyn. (laughs) Theresa May then said a similar thing in her speech. The Tories see this as an existential crisis, not just for the Conservative Party as a party of government, but also for capitalism itself. And they are having to speak its name they are having to identify the great fucking beast by <laughs> by what it actually is they're saying free markets are good and all this total bollocks is obviously not true and you know they can't win because the rest of us have to live in a free market economy um and it's shit like we are fucked it's so fucked. I hope, like, just a, a little bit of optimism there.
0: Should I do Steven Smith?
1: Yeah, you got to do do some, like, you know, build up his mystique. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, next up we have someone who we've actually, well, it was someone I think some people didn't actually think was a real person for a long time. But <laughs> turns out he's real. All right, and and this he's guy has been on the
1: podcast. He, oh, he Stephen is coming Smith! on. The... Yeah, Steven Smith, the man <laughs> who is the coolest of anyone I. Could can imagine about being added to a group dm where the picture is his profile picture <laughs> it's great to have you and uh let's go Okay, I'm back in the same spot where I interviewed Gail just now um, with Stephen Smith of the Financial Times, their markets desk editor and writer, I believe. Hi, Jack. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm very nice. <laughs> I'm very, very pleasant day on Brighton Seafront here, my favourite
10: place in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's lovely out today. And how are you finding the conference so far? I think it's I think a, a remarkable change from the conferences I've tended to watch mm. in the last 30 years. I mean, I, sometimes watching Labour Party conferences reminds me of that, watching top two in the Daleks when i was a kid you have to go behind the sofa because all yeah. the speeches are just so you know so i don't know not what you kind of want from a movement of progressive social change it's all different this year yeah. got, you're getting people saying incredible things from the rostrum you're getting delegates coming up making great contributions and i think you're seeing a movement that at last, is beginning to give it to everyone. Yeah, that they're they're going to be part. They're going to be running this country soon. And yeah. I think that's a very interesting moment for a British bit of life because this, the Labour Party, and specifically the Labour Left, were always regarded as a kind of a fringe kind of organisation, which people laughed at, people made ridicule of, and now people
1: aren't laughing anymore. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely <laughs> dominant, like, both in the Labour Party and yeah. gradually in the country at large. Mm. And even the Guardian leader the other day said. Corbyn's party. Mm. I mean, it has been for two years, but now they can't deny it. For me, the, the interesting thing I've noticed is literally, there's been a kind
10: of everyone's kind of realised that kind of I mean, it, it obviously it stemmed from the 40% of the general election, but now people are kind of positioning themselves to think well actually, Corbyn is going to win the general election, he is going to be Prime Minister mm. I better get my act together and be part of this. And that's not just people who are here at the World Transformed or here at the Labour Party, that's literally just everyone you know coming there's there's that, that, that hilarious story that I think that my paper ran about the number of corporate people who are buying up
1: stuff at the Labour Party now they're they're all getting
10: involved they're all getting involved they all want a part of the action
1: I saw that um, I read in the (laughs) latest issue of the New Statesman Friends of the Podcast that uh, (laughs) that uh, oh and I uh, walked past George Eaton earlier I was like a metre away from him but I read that apparently there's going to be a huge like corporate presence at conference this year I imagine it's not like Labour are begging them to come I think they're. I mean there's a certain Yeah, there's a certain element of outreach going on with the business community but it's really they want to be involved with the next government. Yeah, and you can
10: date it directly from that exit poll coming out. The world changed then. The, um, the world The world did transform. <laughs> did. Uh, and, you know, some people are, are, are getting a bit quicker than the others. A lot of perhaps the what you might call the, the mainstream media are kind of maybe a little bit behind the curve on that, but mm. I think. But you know, you're seeing a greater recognition. I mean, you got you had Polytoin B, uh, seeing an article shared, a um, man saying how great you know Corbyn was. You know, yeah. and uh, you know the, uh, this is just like uh, different different times. You know, yeah. you you had the I remember the US. I think the editor of Prospect going to a World Transform session, saying what is hegemony, you know, and he, he's actually <laughs> describing it by actually an editor of Prospect turning up to a left
1: meeting. That yeah. is hegemony, mate.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like maybe they should spend a little more time thinking yes. about it. So you've just been here as a what P- I say punter? Yeah, as a punter. Yeah, you've yeah. just been watching various panels. you yeah. haven't spoken on anything. Oh god, no, nothing. Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Apart from, but still, your appearance on Real Politic, like that's a, it's the highlight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you it's, all, it's downhill from there Thank you we'll, we'll, Will you listen to the show? Will you promise us that you'll give us a listen?
10: Only if you carry on with the films
7: Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll
1: keep talking about films What films would you like us to talk about on the show? Oh, God uh, now, now
10: now I've oversold myself <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I told you I was a film buff and I'm Film like, really? buff Stephen Smith
3: <laughs> really
1: Cinephile uh, No, sorry, let's let's move on Let's move on uh, So, politics <laughs> So have you uh, have you seen a lot of Financial Times comrades around here? Funny enough, I did see one of our guys marching very purposely towards the seafront, chasing a story, no doubt. Yeah, surely he's doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so the business community are bracing themselves for a left-wing government. What about at the Financial Times? What's the mood like there? Well, that's I mean. To be honest, the Financial Times has always
10: tried to position itself ahead of the curve. One of the interesting things about the FT is that <laughs> it did endorse Barack Obama when he was seen as this kind of left-wing, kind of anti-war guy. Yeah. When, so they kind of do sort of see themselves as someone who could spot things coming. Now, whether or not they're currently doing that with uh Labour Party at the moment is a matter of debate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is it true that in the FT offices, you are a kind of, quote-unquote, Father, father, father Jack figure. father Jack Carter, yes, yep. yes possibly yes. this by the way is, is a Stephen Smith quote we're not just repeating mean things other people have said about him back to him I mean, it's there, one of the nicer things I think yeah. <laughs> are there any events you're looking forward to getting to I think it's wrapping up nicely I mean of course I went to the
10: guys from the Socialist and they put on a great session there. But that was probably going to be one of my highlights so I'm glad I saw that oh brilliant. Um yeah and uh, I think that just like like this podcast I think I'm going to call it a
1: day there no that's cool that's cool yeah. oh brilliant Briefly, a word on acid Corbinism. What did you make of acid Corbinism? I thought the
10: cultural ideas that were put forward in that meeting were actually quite novel. I mean, people are kind of focusing on Corbynism in terms of the political aspects yeah. of it, but the cultural aspects are amazing as well. Yeah. And they really came out well at that meeting. I mean, you know, Jeremy Gilbert there, who is obviously very big into dance culture, but there's a whole other areas of culture that I think the left is speaking about at the moment and are coming out with much more original ideas and other parts of the political firmament. Yeah. And uh, that, that was what was great about that session because the, the speakers basically i mean there was one famous speaker Lynn Siegel, i'd heard speak 30 years ago i think but all the other yeah. the other people i'd never heard speak of and so it was just great listening to them and, and thinking that even next year when the world transforms holds again it will be another step up again yeah you know i mean things I'm, I'm, can only get better and one of the <laughs> things i think it's got perhaps one thing i will say one of the things it's got to perhaps think about a bit harder is the economics and finance yeah uh, which was a kind of bubbling under the session there is a discussion but probably not enough frontline sessions on that maybe that's from quite. my perspective but then have you been to? 20... a financial journalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit talking my own book there.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Did you get to any financial, like, economic sessions?
10: You know what? I was limited in my time, but I mean, yeah. I kind of looked through. There were some, but they weren't kind of stuff that were tackling head on about, you know, what what, what is John McDonnell going to do when he's in the Chancellery? What's he going to do about the Bank of England? You know, is he going to keep on Mark Carney? What's mm. he going to do about the MPC? All these fascinating questions that the left needs answers to. We need to start a
1: discussion on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and finally, do you have a message for Realpolitik and its hordes of listeners?
10: Keep on keeping on, mates.
1: Well done. Thank you, Steve. That's great. I went to basically the panels with the most outrageous names. So, on one night, I went to Spy Cops. Spy, spy cops, spy uh, Jack. Um, do you want to explain
0: <laughs> <what> are you, <laughs> why are you going to fringe events called spy cops?
1: Uh, well, it was uh, this is this new attempt to uh, organise the uh, police within the Labour Party. You know how we're the party of cops now, ah, so yes. it, it was basically like the new union that's uh, affiliated with Labour that represents the police, security services, assassins, executioners or, you know, all, all the good lads. Now, now uh, Jack
0: won't actually tell you this on air, but that was actually
1: his favourite fringe of <laughs> <laughs> them. I'll tell you straight up, it was fucking good. But, I mean, seriously, the, the, it was basically about police infiltration and leftist movements. so you had some interesting people right. on. First of all, Richard Bergen introduced it, and um, I, it, I, awesome. I was a little disappointed because I think Bergen's a great speaker, and I thought he'd have a lot to say on the subject, but he kind of did a sort of, like, stump, speech like the kind of thing i'd seen videos of him doing elsewhere at the conference and there was mark thomas the comedian there was a woman whose name i forget but basically she'd been in a relationship with a man who had when she was an activist he'd one day disappeared and it turned out that he was an undercover cop and of course like this is incredibly like abusive to to do something like that to like um, to emotionally use somebody for an extended period of time and then just fuck off like not not tell them anything like that's really bad scary. it was a very interesting panel then i got to acid corbinism which is inspired by an essay by the late mark fisher called acid communism but of course we're not talking communism we're talking corbinism so it was sort of about how can the ideas of the sixties counterculture be seen to be reflected in Corbyn's movement, and uh, you know what? I'm not I'm not quite sure what the conclusion was, but it was uh, it was an interesting ride. Um, <laughs> again, Clive Lewis was there, drinking away, handing out A W L literature. <laughs>
0: This at the same event where the video footage emerged of him with some pretty slick dance moves.
1: I think it might have been. Yeah, and then he uh, he was a a very robust presence both in the audience and on stage at the Navara Media the Fix live party. And um, I got to say I most of I was disappointed because I went along there hoping, you know, there'll be some journalists here and there'll be some people who I can get a little interview with before my phone dies and uh, nah all the journalists and mps and shit they all fucking like had their own little room that they went in and they just fucking like hid in there cloistered away from the rest of us fucking plebs <laughs> um, <laughs> very, very socialist of them. I got to say, me and Gail MacInenna from New Socialists, just like sort of standing outside, looking in, hoping like someone would we know would come out and be like, "Oh, hey guys!" But no, 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 no. no. The, the the elitism of the croissant munching Islingtonite left is on on full display. However, it's shocking. However. <laughs> Clive Lewis, man of the people, Clive Lewis, was in the crowd the whole time. I could have gone up to him at any point. I didn't. I wanted to say, Clive, I loved it when you called Chris Leslie a sad, lonely, bitter man. (laughs) However, I missed that opportunity, however we'll have him on the show. Clive was in the audience. John Lansman, the founder of Momentum, was in the audience in a pink floral shirt. All the colours spread across it uh, with a large beard that according to a senior source he says thinks makes him look rabbinical although our senior source says actually it makes him look amish <laughs> and i'm told i think this was after i left but emily Thornbury was out there in the crowd as well oh, uh, with the people busting some shapes there was a lot of good fun there was a good bit in the quiz that they put on at the fix live where basically there were two teams there was a team of journalists which was i think dawn foster sam chris and abby wilkinson and then there was a, a politician's team which was clive lewis winnie wong from a bernie sanders campaign who earlier in the conference i saw her on a panel and she was like you shouldn't spend all your time online i'm like Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, it was her and James Medway, John McDonald's economic advisor on Clive's team. And at one point there was a round which was like, guess which pundit said this thing about, you know, like Labour hurtling off a cliff under Jeremy Corbyn or whatever. <laughs> and there was one which was like, Labour is bound for doom. While the crowds cheer, Labour is plummeting off a cliff edge onto sharp pointy rocks that it's gonna be dashed against and blood's gonna spurt everywhere and it's gonna <laughs> shit itself i think it was uh, it was friend of the show sam chris who just sort of went was it owen <laughs> and uh, me and, <laughs> and friend of the show ben were in in the audience shouting owen jones owen jones <laughs> and uh it was it was he actually it. <laughs> yeah yeah no so, so sam basically uh shopped his mate out and won the round <laughs> fair play, fair play, fair play. You, um, you
0: walked past OJ, didn't you? You did. shouted at him, "Come on, our podcast, didn't you, or something along those lines?" I did.
1: I shouted, "Owen Jones, come on, real politic!" And uh, he said something. He turned around. I was with Max Shanley at the time, so you know he he could have been talking to Max, but he fucked off. so I, I you know, but but he didn't seem altogether displeased. And like I say, we have built some bridges with the gang of four. <laughs> Uh, Relationships are on the mend. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what they think about us calling them the Gang of Four, but it is quite funny. <laughs> I, um, so we mentioned that relations between the Real Politic podcast and the Gang of Four have been improving. Should we say like Owen Jones follows us now? <laughs> <laughs> um but you know there's always been certain members of the uh, so-called gang of four who we've been on good terms with for instance you know we've always got on fairly well with abby wilkinson and i at least personally i think i think the guys as well i've always had a bit of a soft spot for sam chris and his <laughs> his overly verbose writing <laughs> 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 and uh, his popularity with the american audience that we're trying to break the Lucas- the Lucas- so American market. We have an entire half of the gang of four coming up now. We have Sam Chris and we have Ellie Mayo Hagen, who is a journalist who has written for The Guardian and Open Democracy, and I can't think of other places off the top of my head, but she's written for places. So, <laughs> so let's cut to <laughs> my slightly awkward encounter on the street with Sam Chris and Ellie Mayo Hagen. <laughs> It's Jack again and I've bumped into Sam, Chris and Ellie Mae O'Hagan on the street. How's it going guys? How's the world transformed in conference?
11: You know what? It's been the best Labour conference I've ever been to. Am I allowed to swear on this
1: podcast? You absolutely All right. are allowed to swear okay, on real good. politics. Okay, good. Because,
11: uh, yeah. Because I've put in the fucking time. I've been to six Labour Party conferences yeah. and this is, like, the best one that I've ever been to. So don't listen to any of that bullshit about everybody arguing and whatnot. Yeah. It's not the case. It's been a great conference. Like, everybody... It feels like something is really happening. Something's really changing. Everyone's been, like, really supportive and there's been a lot of solidarity. And, like, it kind of feels like something exciting is happening. It feels like a bit of a moment and that's like that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's the sense I'm getting as well what about you Sam yeah reformism fest 2017 I'm a reformist now we're reformists yeah, reformist. yeah, you've, yeah. You've, you've joined the Labour Party I've if joined not. the Labour Party I believe out. in
12: Parliament I love uh, the flag sorry but
1: you
11: can't have it both ways you can't be like oh I'm still too cool too cool for this and yet here I am with my wristband and my Labour Party membership so what's that? you I, can't have it both ways yes
10: I, I can uh, what's that? I'm
11: Sam Chris I can have it both ways
10: I can have it both ways <laughs>
11: That's
1: really? of irony. truly
12: you're the
11: Hillary Clinton
12: to your Donald Trump w- what was
1: that about <laughs> you being at the keynote speaker at the Blue Labour Fringe event Sam
10: yeah well I mean I'm going to be delivering an impassioned talk on Israel uh, yeah. <laughs> the villa in
1: the jungle why it must be defended I hope everyone comes along and expressing some very legitimate concerns I hear
10: well yeah I mean like, like the problem is this country is full and if it gets any fuller it will sink below the waves and, and I'm the only person person who wants that so i'm gonna to have to put
1: certain feelings aside and uh thank god someone's prepared to speak up for, <laughs> for the anti-immigrant majority
11: you are like the only individual i know who like desperately needs a personal press officer i feel
1: like <laughs> everything that you say needs
11: to be spun afterwards like, he didn't mean it, it didn't, you know.
1: <laughs> but yeah i don't want to keep you guys if you're uh if you're rushing somewhere so i we're mean we're gonna
11: meet more reformists
1: Oh. To, make more,
11: to make more incremental measures, which Sam <laughs> loves so much. I
1: love them. Labour first, progress. Are You
12: guys
11: waiting for a bus? Uh, love all of it. <laughs> we're <not laughs> no, we're not.
1: We're not, <laughs> we're not. we're not waiting for a bus.
3: Tory
11: Britain.
1: Tory Britain. No more buses, buses. in Tory <laughs> Britain. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it's been great to see you guys. Anyway, like, have fun with the reformists. We will do. And uh, yeah, like, maybe see you again at some point in the conference. And if not, like. I'll see you in real politic oh, yeah see you on on the politic <laughs> 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 so tom do you want to have the honor of introducing the next tom on the list
0: yes so we have a tom being interviewed right now the pioneer of Ganism. Tom Gann,
1: <laughs> who didn't someone point out he looks very similar to Bill Brand? He looks fucking exactly like Bill Brand. They've got the same like floppy hair and everything. It's nice. uh, the general editor of New Socialist, Tom Gann. Hello, we're in I'm in the what it? I'm in the fiddler's elbow, which I was just told the name of and instantly forgot with my friend Tom Gann. The Hello. Well, what was your position Tom? The editor-in-chief? We need to formalise it. I <laughs> yeah. think it was general <laughs> editor, but like yeah, well, yeah. yeah general, general editor. General like editor of New nice. Socialist, the okay. New House Journal of the Left. Mm-hmm. Those of us involved in it would certainly the say. The Lexit Left. The, the Lexit Left, yeah, when hundred percent Pro not even Lexit, hard Brexit, Theresa May style, hard right, Paul Mason immigration policy. <laughs> Tom's, just, yeah, Tom's just absolutely cringing. <laughs> so Tom, do you want to describe New Socialist in your own terms?
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, let me have a go. Yeah, yeah, Very,
1: very much very much
5: not the Germans the Lexit left. Um, maybe actually the Lexit left's an interesting <laughs> Okay, no, no. I think the Lexit question is actually quite an interesting way into maybe trying to think about what we're trying to do, actually. So the Lexit thing was based on various things we put out, particularly in our economic stuff, that there are economic possibilities for a socialist construction crime. Brexit. Now, unlike some of the characterisations, like and they need to be thought through properly seriously. And I think one of the things we want to do is to try and think through those sort of strategic possibilities and openings quite seriously. Beyond this kind of shitty moralizing sloganeering of like Lexit. I mean I don't given Brexit is gonna happen in some form, I don't really think Lexit is a, a useful concept either way. So on the one hand there's that but I think one of the other things which I think we're very 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 insistent on and again perhaps locate something interesting and important I think we're doing is somewhere exceeding some traditional categories on the left which is around like migration index. so on the one hand we and we've run articles we quite strongly support freedom of movement yeah. But, and I think the but is the really important thing, but I think we're also very insistent not to make a fetish of it. Freedom of movement has to be defended because border restrictions are intolerable. They kill people, they produce forms of exploitation, they're an intolerable thing. It's going to be difficult to imagine a Labour Party, even a left Labour Party led by Corbyn and MacDonald, that's going to go straight to an open borders position, of course. But I think the important thing for us would be to situate freedom of movement, firstly to disarticulate it from single markets membership these are separate questions and I think a serious thought kind of requires that. Secondly to situate freedom of movement not within a sort of Euro privilege yet, within something that presumes like the limit of our internationalist framework is the EU and NATO. You know, border restrictions are intolerable. there should not be more border restrictions but to stick at just freedom of movement where there's a whole class of people exploited in Britain because they're not EU residents, when the Mediterranean's a graveyard, to stick at that is morally and intellectually intolerable. And I think maybe some of the thing we're kind of aiming to do is to be pushing positions that are like more intellectually and morally serious, that are within Corbynism, but beyond the position the leadership are going to take. I think being like a critical friend of the leadership to the left of them, but also trying not to stick within some of these, like given useless categories like the freedom of movement debate is constructed within the dominant media within categories that are entirely useless yeah lexit is a useless construction there's kind of a rambling answer but I think this is an important thing about new socialists to like at least have like a little bit of that space to think about that without these kind of empty bankrupt rhetorical categories but I think the other thing and I I think this is something that we've we've kind of thought implicitly but we haven't made explicit is who we imagine we're talking to and I think this is an important one thing to distinguish particularly from a lot of the other like new left media I kind of think we are to a certain extent speaking to the converted and that's not a problem yeah. a whole new left media that only speaks to the converted is a problem yeah, yeah. a section of it that imagines it's talking to people who are already quite involved in their local play party, who are in momentum who might be trade union activists yeah. the kind of people who also might contribute to new Socialist, of course the kind of people who might carry things out who might argue you for positions who might develop positions themselves, who might take up positions in their local life party, whether that's like internally in debates with their party, or it's like launching things from the Labour Party, you know. Yeah. And I think to phrase it slightly differently, Gramsci makes a distinction. Gramsci sort of says a political party has three elements. There's the leadership. We know who the leadership are. Well, we know who the hard left are. There's from no problem. <laughs> Although we not. would have an expanded concept of what that means. Yeah. There's the kind of party base who are enthusiastic. Yeah. But what seems the interesting section, and I guess the section we're trying to deal with perhaps, if this isn't like conceited, is maybe a certain sort of intermediate section. The section of people who are exercise a certain degree of leadership and influence locally in their parties. People who like knit stuff together. And I think some of Corbinism has failed to think about this very strongly in terms of what a party that becomes hegemonic is. So leadership fine, the generality of the party base also find that intermediate level which i think we're aiming to be off, because that's yeah. where a lot of us come from but also help organize feels like a really decisive point within the project so and the people maybe we want to speak to and who we kind of feel we are in a way.
1: so can you explain how this links into the idea of corbinism from below which is obviously based on an article written by another Tom of the New Socialist, Tom Blackburn, who is one of our best writers, and if you haven't read the piece, you've got to give that a read. But I think that seems reflective of the kind of stuff you're talking about there. Oh,
5: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a fantastic piece. And, yeah, yeah, it's been a weird experience at conference, the constant, which Tom are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then how does one define oneself? The one who didn't write the really good piece. How many
1: Toms have we got? Is it only three?
5: We've got three. Yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty moderate by letter Twitter standards. <laughs> it's a really fine essay and I think we've got a few pieces we've put out and that's definitely one of them in a way like the full Corbynism piece that I was talking about earlier uh, yeah. that feel quite programmatic for what we're trying to do Absolutely. and I think these would be two of the really good examples. So we're doing a session tomorrow on Corbynism from Below and I think this is looking at various things but I guess like the kind of nub of it is what would it take to organize forms of popular power through the Labour Party? And I think we can treat this in like lots of different ways so the most limited way and I, I think a lot of people have got to this point is like rebuilding the Labour Party in communities in various ways wins us votes yeah it's going to be the thing that takes us from doing
1: really well in an election to the next election which we win and we've already seen the results of massively expanded constituency Labour parties yeah. haven't we yeah yeah absolutely
5: this is one facet it's really important in some ways that's not really what Tom's with. and in some ways that feels simple and and... Fairly widely accepted, I think. But other dimensions would be how do we build forms of popular power? Partially that empower communities so they can do stuff for themselves. But I think we have to be very specific about what we mean by that. Yeah. And partially so it's plausible for Labour to carry out a left programme. Had we won the election with a narrow majority, I think it would have been exceptionally tricky to carry through a left programme. A lot of from below is how do we build forms of popular power and I think the tension here is interesting that can both support the leadership to carry forward the left program but also actually discipline the leadership behind popular needs I mean the leadership is magnificent it's a ridiculous thing how good they are it? but they're subject to a whole host of pressures they're imperfect themselves but they're subject to a whole set of pressures from within the Labour party from capital from the state various aspects of the state and I think one of the big questions is what's the popular power to make a left project sustainable both in terms of one of the goals of a left project is more popular power, yeah and one of the means of pushing the state beyond itself is that and I think this brings together something which I think is really crucial and I've, I, it's something I've ended up I've noticed like while I've been at conference talking to a lot of people about this notion of kind of a double democratization <laughs> yeah. of labour so on the one hand there is rule changes things that have be carried forward at conference and probably even more so at next year's conference so we change the rules we empower an activist base this builds up forms of popular power. The other thing which is really crucial to us and has come out in like a lot of the other stuff we've done what would transform the cultures of the Labour Party what would make the cultures of the Labour Party democratic, open, welcoming encourage forms of participation and those kind of aspects and a lot of these considerations come out of a kind of socialist feminist tradition, particularly like Hilary Wainwright, who's talking on our communism yeah. from below panel, of like, what would it mean to radically transform the culture of the Labour Party? And this is the kind of other aspect of this kind of double democratisation. And both these things together, and it's a it's point Wainwright makes in A Tale of Two Parties that is essentially New Socialist, the book, 30 years before we existed, is things like both childcare and means, which is a, another strand, like the work Andrew's been doing that's really key for us, and mandatory reselection both actually disarticulate the Labour base from integration with the state it's a long, it goes back to people like Padmore in the 40s, Yeah. the criticism that Labour's lack of democracy integrates the Labour aristocracy into capitalism, into the British state but the double democratisation of Labour kind of disarticulates this and works through democratic forms that are not just good in themselves but they actually quite radically transform class relationships, they transform class relationships between the working class in the state, but they also transform relationships that are internal to the working class. Yeah. They don't prize, say, what traditionally would be called the labour aristocracy, so white, male workers in relatively well-paid, secure jobs, who profit basically from imperialism. They reorganize the class on the basis of the interests of people who've been excluded from the labour aristocracy, and this kind of changes forms of integration and changes forms of popular power, so this would be another kind of aspect of Corbynism from below and i'm waffling and you need to go to spy Cops.
1: i'm so excited for spy cops but it's been great to talk to you anyway tom thanks cheers, thanks for giving me 15 minutes yeah, of your cheers, time Jack. and see you back oh, it's awesome man we thought we'd round out the episode with something a little fun a little duck hunt as chapo trap house who are erroneously cited as the inspiration for this podcast when Actually, we model ourselves on for New Statesman, Deep Dive podcast and their Cummy logo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Centrist Dads. So what's a centrist yeah, dad, guys? Because yeah. there's been a, a lot of think pieces about them recently. Our, yeah. our man well, it's Carl, a slur, we know that. Oh yeah, yeah of course yeah, it's yeah. a swerve, like yeah, and nationalisation and asking Chris Leslie, who are the hard left? Chris. <laughs> 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 Thank so, you for that, Simon Hedges. I think
0: there was a BBC article about it as well, wasn't there? It actually became a B- BBC article entitled
1: "Are You a Centrist Dad?" Yeah, there was a BBC <laughs> article that unfortunately cut Ellie Mayo Hagen line about how the centrist ads all want to hate fuck her which I thought was quite <laughs> a compelling description of these men's mentalities if you've ever seen any Ellie May O'Hagan tweet and the replies literally it happened today she told Anushka Kalian who wrote the article that mentioned us in the New Statesman I actually don't use slug or melt or anything and some guy was like oh but you're perfectly happy to smear and introduce a whole group of of people as centrist dads this vile abuse must end something like that <laughs> but literally they're all there they're always there in her mentions and it's grim and you know it's not just ellie it's any female journalist who's on the left just yeah cops this shit from these condescending wankers yeah <laughs> But what are your experiences of centrist ads, guys? I know they've been the sort of main enemy of our podcast in their various guises for a long time, but we haven't necessarily identified them as centrist ads. We've identified them as fucking pathetic old slugs or you know, melt <laughs> cunt like yeah.
2: reactionary. The or traditional something. terms.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've encountered one, didn't
0: you, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did have an encounter with one on Twitter. It was
2: during the whole Catalan referendum thing where the police were doing their horrible cop bastard things you know so this guy was tweeting i was just reading through a whole conversation about stuff and people were generally saying pretty cool things you know cops are bastards that kind of stuff cool stuff one person tweeted back saying i never said all cops were bastards and then i replied something like but I am what <laughs> uh, well, you're uh, a cop the, the, the... you're a bastard <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's definitely it this one guy he was saying you know he started off a good tweet saying oh you know it's disgusting what they're doing the cops are really doing bad things and I said uh, oh, I, I was with you right up till when you said that it's just like communism and then you know <laughs> we started this whole exchange and he was saying how like ah, oh, well it's also like fascist something. I'm like, yeah, it is like fascism, but it's not also like it. it just is. He just got into this hugely centrist ad discussion with me. He he quoted Wikipedia, the fascism page. I quoted the communism page back at him. Uh,
1: Did he start quoting Voltaire like, uh, Mr. YAY YAY I R I disagree with you, but I will uh defend to death your right to say it. Uh, that's- Voltaire, you know? I don't know if you're familiar with Voltaire, but I have read Voltaire. Oh, that, that good freedom
2: of speech. Yeah, no. But yeah, unfortunately, I'm having to work entirely from memory, because he seems to have deleted all of his interactions with me. Oh, there we go. He was replying for a couple of days in a row, like long-winded, you know, those multi-tweet messages that a lot of centrist ads like to use. And yeah, he just suddenly stopped... Yesterday, I think it was, and I've looked today, tried to find him, gone, all gone.
1: Uh, off, so I, actually,
2: I fired off a new tweet at him just <laughs> recently. <laughs> you... <laughs> you can't
1: resist the banter, man. You're just going back for more. Just tweet? when I thought I was yeah. out.
0: They yeah. pull me back in. The yeah. Yeah, 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 always goes in two footed on Twitter and it's great.
1: <laughs>
7: just remembering right the there.
1: thing you said to that like ultra Zionist that time. It
2: was questionable, perhaps.
1: But
7: yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Well, it, it got you banned
1: temporarily.
2: <laughs> My first of several times, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think the later time was just for that nonsense with the turfs. Honestly oh, yeah. ridiculous stuff. I mean, but that anyway, back...
1: use campaign. Yes,
2: yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so I was just saying this. Stuff about how communism has nothing to do with police violence and okay, arguably you could be thinking of the actions of certain socialist states that weren't always 100% perfect, but they were never called communist states. I make a big point about how it was the USSR, not the UCSR. But yeah, he just came back at me with this. Rah, rah, I don't know if you're old enough. They always love to say, I don't know if you're old enough because so you know, being older automatically makes you smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when the wall came down and i remember i had some relatives in east germany and they starved under communism
1: <laughs> yes so i, I am laughing back... at his relative starvation fuck you <laughs> <laughs> not you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes
2: and yeah that's the point at which the conversation ended after i fired back some tweets just saying that that doesn't make any sense <laughs> And he finished it. So, yeah. And I looked on his Twitter, uh, his handle, and yep, sure enough, this guy was obviously a centrist dad. He doesn't actually say centrist or anything about Brexit, which is a little disappointing, but he does say (laughs) dad, husband, son, friend retailer and hashtag I wonder what a retailer is (laughs) like he's
1: like managing director of fucking Harrods or something yeah (laughs) or
2: maybe he's just a cashier I don't know but uh, uh, (laughs) he's like uh, chief weapons
1: seller for BAE systems yeah yeah what was the last descriptor
0: that he used in his bio hashtag NFFC Uh, (laughs) which you had to Google didn't you yeah well luckily (laughs) since it's a hashtag on Twitter
2: I could just click on it and Ah, see a bunch of tweets Good but shit. yeah I had no is idea not, Is it I'd, Nottingham
0: Forest football, football Club is it?
2: Yeah to, Tom knows because I don't <laughs> follow football but you do yeah. I support
0: Coventry so I, yeah I kind of like that That, that, that team rival. dwindling in the lower leagues of the English football divisions Yeah, and of course his location is not fucking not <laughs> I'm going to Nottingham this weekend
1: so
2: uh, oh, really? I don't know I might run into it. catch Tom, up with the centrist dads
1: yeah Tom you, sh- you should get Skype on your phone so you can just like sneak in little discussions when you're out and about <laughs> like yeah.
7: hey guys Hey, I'm just in the the club toilets right now. Uh,
0: Star Sailors, uh... Star Sailors playing, and there's a lot of centrist (laughs) dads on the dance floor. That Tom Watson (laughs) is a fucking
7: slug.
1: So
0: you want me to get intoxicated and just say ridiculous shit?
1: (laughs) The centrist dads—they're a bit adrift in society, aren't they? They, you know, they can't keep up with the changing pace of politics, and you know, the nineties back, all right? Yeah, they were like things could only get better.
0: Blairism.
1: Then they got worse. Like (laughs) they. Are not happy campers. They are truly a lost generation. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the Beat generation, but the, <laughs> the, the Beat stands for Beatles and it refers to oasis's conscious emulation of the Beatles and the anthology series being big in 96 or whatever, and the Ruttles reuniting in the 90s and so on. So, lads, are we. Feeling sorry for Theresa May? I think that's the big question we should maybe conclude on. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> really? Is just like. <laughs>
0: just <laughs> like hey, hey, she's, she's heading up a government, which the policies they're putting through are killing people. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid the sympathies are not with Theresa May at this moment in time. I'm very
1: sorry. Well, you know, Tom, that's actually a more controversial opinion than you might think. Yeah, yeah. Do, <laughs> do you agree with Tom? Do you think that we shouldn't be showing this poor woman who's got a cough? who's got an (laughs) all-women's detention centre in which migrant women are sexually abused, who's got all these terrible things going on in her life, who got handed a P-45 notice on on stage, who who, who among us hasn't accidentally deported fucking thousands and thousands of students at the stroke of a pen? Like, come on! Come on! How can you not sympathise with with this this, this poor woman? She's
2: She's right up there with Margaret Thatcher as just the most respectable politician's
1: I personally felt so sorry for Thatcher when she shot herself to death and her brain fell out <laughs> oh, all over the room. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're on Team May. You think people just need to get behind her, give her a bit of space, give her a chance, and she'll turn it all around.
2: Yes, all aboard the May Express.
1: Yeah, yeah have you had any kids recently (laughs) (laughs) i also
2: turned 40 the other day Ah.
1: yeah yeah what's your favorite d-ream song It doesn't happen to be uh, (laughs) Things Can Only Get Better, does it? (laughs) You know me too well. (laughs) And I don't suppose that your favourite member of D-Ream, despite him not playing on Things Can Only Get Better, is their former keyboardist, all-round science whiz, and rational centrist logic man, Brian Cox. What? Is that the science guy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was in D Ream as their keyboardist. Okay. He also looks what? loads like Alex Nuns, who 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 is on this episode. There yeah. <laughs> we go.
2: Okay. Uh, but, I kind of wish I knew who the fuck D was so I could get this joke.
1: Things can only get better. Was Blair's campaign song? We oh yeah, no, I got that. <laughs> D Ream, did the song. Next, we have got Alex Nuns. The author of The Candidate, who does a lot of work with Red Pepper magazine, which I got my first ever physical copy of at conference, and it's it's really good. But yeah, let's keep going. I'm here with Alex Nuns, the author of The Candidate. Probably the best book written on the Corbin phenomenon,
12: I think. I think Richard Seymour would agree.
1: Oh well and I, I really like the Seymour book as well. I'm not trying to talk it down, I just uh it's just something about The Candidate. It's got that inside track, and it's it's a little bit more sympathetic than Seymour's, even though his is sympathetic. Not to turn this into a anti-Richard Seymour. More pissing no, I content. Dude, I was <laughs> you're alright, sex beard, you're alright.
12: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Alex, how have you been finding conference? I think it's been fantastic in the conference hall. I haven't been mean, to much of the world transformed, into went to the session that John McDonald got in trouble for, for saying quite reasonably that there might be a run on the pound if capital and the state decide to act against Labour. But anyway, I, I spent most of my time in the conference hall because I was a delegate. Yeah. So it's been really, really fascinating watching Labour Party members delegate to conference, learning how to use use the mechanisms which are now available to them Absolutely. to ex- assert themselves, exert their power. And it's kind of been a process where on the first day of conference, to explain it, there's this new mechanism, well it's not a new mechanism, but last year there was a rule change saying that delegates could reference back parts of the National Policy Forum that they didn't like, Yeah. Uh, whereas previously, basically, the conference only had a choice between accepting all of Labour policy or Labour not having any policies, it was like, take it or leave it. That was what Blair brought in in order to neutralise conference as yeah. a policy-making body because then puts policy at arm's length from the conference. But last year, there was a rule change one which said that you could reference back individual sections of policy, basically say, this isn't good enough, go and work on it. And on the first day of conference this year, nobody used it, because I don't think anybody knew how it was going to work, and the party staff were saying it was going to be some kind of catastrophe if this happened. On the second day, the right of the party used it to try and reference back something about Brexit, and the left defeated them. But then the left did it themselves in the afternoon on welfare, saying that all welfare cuts that the Toys have made should be reversed. And that kind of broke the taboo, and people learned how to do it. And then on the third day, on, on the Tuesday morning of conference, there was this kind of just extraordinary Two hours where it felt like delegates were trying to reference back everything. Yeah, um, like they, there was an attempt to reference back the conference arrangement committee report, which is effectively the agenda for the day. Yeah, so it was like for a time it felt like it might fall apart, and then there was even what's usually a really dull financial report which then had loads of people criticising it straight afterwards and making points like, how much does a compliance unit cost and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and so it looked like uh, we were going to reference that back. I don't know if I've the textbook, but so it possible. Kind of, so it was interesting to see members assert themselves as the conference went on, as they learnt the mechanisms, because it's really confusing being a delegate in conference. Yeah. It's really, really confusing. So many different mechanisms and arcane things. And so it took a while to get into the swing of it, but eventually it did. Have you been to Labour conferences in the past? I have been, not as a delegate. I've been to Labour conferences in the past. How does this compare, atmosphere wise, uh, I guess content wise? It's completely different, even from last year, where last year the right could still win votes on the conference floor, even though the left elected, well, the left in the party elected Jeremy Corbyn nearly 62% and then lost all the votes on, on the yeah. conference floor. This conference was nothing like that. If, if the left wanted to do something, as long as it had one of the big unions, either Unite GMB or Unison on its side, it was going to win because it was overwhelmed, it was kind of like 70% of the. Um, CLP delegates were left Yeah Um, And they were organised this time Whereas last time They weren't organised So it was Actually quite I had slightly Mixed feelings If you like When you vote for something And you look around And the entire hall Is voting the same way Yeah It's massively empowering But at the same time It does bring a bit of responsibility Because you can't You know If you can win anything You need to work out What you want to win Yeah What if you get it wrong (laughs) I know you've got to get back To your hotel soon To get your stuff But you've got a new edition Of The
1: Candidate Coming out in November Haven't you So the last one Covered the first leadership contest and then had an epilogue which covered the 2016 coup what have you added to
12: it uh, well the general election basically there's yeah. 35,000 words about the general election which is kind of the inside story of what the Corbyn campaign was doing and how it worked and more than that not just what the central lot were doing but also the, the campaign on social media and the dynamics of the election if you like and how the election relates to Jeremy Corbyn's 2015 campaign because I say that they're basically two expressions of the same phenomenon yeah and the the reason why it took the press by surprise is because they regarded the Labour Party as a kind of controlled experiment where, you know, you can observe these strange phenomena but you don't really have to worry about them because they're just something separate from society and they're going to get crushed in an election anyway. Yeah. And then the general election this year proved that that's, you know, complete shit because if you have a party of, like, growing to half a million members, if they're experiencing pressures in their in their lives and in their communities and, and their reaction to that is to elect Jeremy Corgan as the leader of the Labour Party, there's always a good chance that a wider section of the population would... Come to the same conclusion in the general election, that's Absolutely. exactly what you saw Did you catch Corbyn's speech to conference today? Yep, um, well, it was, I mean, it was really good, but it was last year, it was kind of edgy mm. because we didn't know where the state of the politics in the party last year, yeah, and um, this year it was just you know, triumphant, and Yeah. actually Arthur was more interesting last year, but I think he made a good speech and I think um, he pushed some boundaries in a few places and he made some points which would have been a completely unimaginable three years ago, so yeah. No, that's brilliant.
1: I'm glad you've had a good time at conference and the little bit of the world transformed you caught. Like, keep writing, and when you release that next edition of the book, come on the show. Absolutely, thank you. Awesome, Alex. Cheers. Cheers. But, but I, I just wanted to draw our attention to perhaps the most, centrist dad argument i've ever seen so our close personal friend owen jones fresh from his vicious hate campaign of trying to unseat progressive tory mps around the country unseating (laughs) mps from a rival party abusive behavior completely unprecedented in british politics owen jones went on radio 2 today to get this get this yaya you are going to be fucking fuming to say people shouldn't feel sorry for Theresa May. Uh, whoa.
0: <sighs> makes me sick.
1: Makes me. That's Huge of true. And Ian Leslie, who is peak centrist dad, he wrote a book about fake news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the guy who hosts the New Statesman's jizz-stained deep dive podcast um which uh, and it was him who raked matt zarb over the coals about calling people melts on twitter and complained that clive lewis said some nasty stuff about his cousin chris leslie so friend of the show ian leslie says to theo bertram arch blairite knobhead imagine wanting to go on the radio to say stop being kind because that's precisely what he's doing you know we should just let Theresa May get on with the fucking mass detention the austerity the deportations in peace hasn't yes. that poor woman had enough i mean come on like the, the the volume of that applause at tory conference that must have been fucking alarming <laughs> i don't know what that it sounds one.
2: a bit like fapping
1: i'm trying to emulate the process <laughs> by which the new statesman deep dive podcast logo was created all right so i guess the question is how do we rescue owen jones just as we no i, I won't say single-handedly because like hang on so people have two hands apart from as i said the ones you Don't, and uh, there's five of us, so that we ten handedly fucking saved Owen Jones from the clutches of the melts. How are we ever going to save him from his new company he's keeping of Katie Hopkins and Anne-Marie <laughs> Walters? And uh, this, is, this is Theo Bertram compared Owen Jones to Katie Hopkins for saying we shouldn't feel sorry for Theresa May. Um, can we get Owen Jones back from the far right or is he a lost cause? I, mean, I think he's <laughs> beyond saving at this point really, isn't he? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh,
1: it is our sad duty to report that Owen Jones has defected to the Fry Corpse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. And, on and that
1: uh, moment... <laughs> we're going to play you out with a piece of music that I recorded at my friend Don's house in Brighton. It's a spontaneous jam. It's got me on bongos. I'm not really a bongista, <laughs> but in this, you know,
0: I, I tried my hand at them. It's... If it's Jack and Yunan on bongos, it's real politics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it me on, but this is the best bongo related bit of content since the uh, police report from when Matthew McConaughey got arrested for playing bongos naked <laughs> at 3am. While yeah. smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's got Dom's housemate Will on Melodica. So yeah. let's play ourselves out with some beautiful music from Brighton Town at the peak of Corbin Mania. Prepare to open your minds.
2: Yes.
3: it's exciting it's young people it's crowdsourcing (laughs)